Welcome to another installment of The Dispatches, powered by Righteous Media. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. We are now truly a country at war. America is at war with domestic terrorists. We're also at war with the coronavirus and at war with a racist legacy. In 2021, America is now at war with ourselves. And The Dispatches is a quick-hit series of breaking news podcasts hosted by me that'll give you the information and analysis you need to protect yourself and the people you care about and to stay ahead of the curve. And we'll continue to bring you the five eyes that define everything we do at Righteous Media. Integrity, information, inspiration, impact, and independence. This dispatch features an urgent conversation with a man who understands all of what's unfolding in America right now. Dr. Jason Dempsey is back. Jason is a badass warrior scholar, a former Army infantryman with a Ph.D. in politics. He's a professor, an author, a researcher, a combat vet, and one of the country's foremost experts on civil-military relations. Jason is a West Point grad, a Ph.D., and adjunct senior fellow for the Military, Veterans, and Society Program at the Center for a New American Security. He's a powerful voice that must be heard. He led units on the ground in Afghanistan. He served inside the White House, and he literally wrote the book on the modern United States military. It's called Our Army, Soldiers, Politics, and American Civil-Military Relations. Jason's also a dad, a lover of good beer, and a no-bullshit guy who pulls no punches. He joined us previously on Episode 76 of Angry Americans. His last visit was in September, when we broke down Trump calling troops losers and suckers, I asked him if the military will save us. We discussed how General Mattis and General Kelly were complicit. We broke down the 19th anniversary of 9-11, and Jason even offered the best peeps answer ever. When news was unfolding last fall, Jason took us behind the scenes, inside the White House and Pentagon, and deep into our history as Americans. Jason again joins me now to break down what happened inside the Capitol on January 6th, what's happening right now in the Capitol, and what will happen next in the Capitol, across the country, and maybe in your community. The pandemic rages on. An American insurgency is here. And President Mayhem has just been impeached for the second time. But he's still got a week left in office. My friend Dave Chastine used to say, if America was a religion... Our veterans would be the clergy, the defenders of our values and all that we hold dear. Well, we need the true defenders of our democracy now more than ever before in our lifetime. And Jason Dempsey is a man in this episode who will take us to church. Most of the American media is looking back. In this episode of The Dispatches, we're again looking forward. The war is on, and America is the battlefield. We all can see it now, but we're all in this together, and we will make it through together. This is your update. This is the Dispatches, and now our conversation with Jason Dempsey. 
Ladies and gentlemen, angry Americans around the country and around the world, concerned Americans, concerned global citizens, we're coming to you with the latest installment of The Dispatches, our quick hit conversations about what's unfolding in front of our eyes and all across our country. Uh, a couple months back, we talked to our guest uh, in this episode, who I think is one of the most important thinkers, writers in this country. Uh, he's focused a lot on the civil military divide, military relations, but he's a historian, he's a scholar, he's an activist, and he's, I think, a voice of reason. Uh, his conversation on my show was one of our most popular of the last year, and I'm very thrilled that he can make time to join us again. The great and powerful Jason Dempsey is back. Hello, my friend. Welcome back. Always great to be here, Paul. Glad you're doing this. Yeah, man. You got a chandelier since the last time we talked to, to you. So folks are listening. Remember this video if you go to thedispatches.us. But let's let's get right into it, man. Um, I do think you're one of the most important voices in this country right now, especially given all of the elements. Um, what do you think, Jason, is the single most important thing for Americans to know now? Not be scared, uh, but understand it's time to take a stand. It's easy to get overwhelmed with the with the BS uh, that's flowing around us. Uh, obviously, stories unfold every six, 10, 12 hours. Uh, and I think you do have to approach the news with a little bit of humility, um, but by the same token, with that humility has to come an understanding and a grounding in core principles. And so I think if everybody just takes a breath and says, what are my core principles? What do I want America to look like right now? Uh, what should I be doing as a citizen, not as somebody reacting or scared uh, or confused by the news? But what do I want to be right now as a citizen? Uh, and what values am I trying to uh, live up to, uh, that'll help us get through. That's why I brought you back, man. That, that's what people need to hear right now. Um, can you break down, you know, you're a military veteran, you're, you're a scholar of these issues. Can you break down the attack on the Capitol? What do you think is most important for people to understand? What did you see? Uh, and what are your takeaways as we record this on Wednesday evening as the impeachment articles go forward, we know this will continue to unfold, but the, the, the attack itself uh, and what we've seen since, what, what's, your, what's your assessment and your breakdown, Jason? I saw a stunningly shameful episode in American history. Um, I think we're still processing it, but I don't think it's hyperbole to say uh, that we haven't had an event as important since 9-11. It will shape uh, our, the rest of our generation's uh, time in the public limelight and public service, and it's certainly going to shape uh, the time of my children uh, and those younger than us. This will be a touchstone. Uh, it's not a singular discrete event. It is the result of 20, 30 years of dysfunction coming to a head. Uh, so from this, I think this needs to be a moment of reckoning. Uh, it needs to be a moment of introspection. Uh, and each of us needs to ask, what was our responsibility in getting us to this point? Uh, and with that, you know, and I want to make this very clear, while we're all responsible and while we've all, uh, to a degree, failed in our duties as citizens in allowing this to get to this point, uh, that doesn't mean we all need to get a, well, let's just be 
kumbaya, everybody was at fault, let's move on. There is no healing without accountability. You have to address the core issues. So uh, what you're seeing from a, the majority of the Republican Party right now uh, is disgraceful. It's enabling, uh, it's avoiding accountability, it's subverting the very idea of American exceptionalism. So it looks like you know less than a dozen Republicans will cross the line and vote for impeachment. Um, they're not going to figure out a way to, to get him out via Mike Pence uh, by invoking the 25th Amendment or something else. Um, we have a week to go with with this madman, in my view, uh, with his finger uh, on not on Twitter anymore, but still on, on potentially our nukes. Um, this is a very precarious week. Um, what do you see unfolding in the next week? You were really, one of the reasons our episode last time was so popular is because you described the scenario where I asked you, what do we do if Trump won't leave? And you said, well, they just, they, they zero out his key cards. He's going to go try to wave his key card in front of the entrance to the, to the, to the, to the White House and he won't be able to get in. Um, how do you see the next week unfolding? Um, and to include, you know, the potential role of the military that everyone's been saying the military won't get involved, but now we've got the National mm -hmm. Guard occupying the Capitol and more troops in Washington than we have in Iraq and Afghanistan. So what, what do you see the next week looking like, Jason? So there's a fascinating dynamic here, right? So somebody, like we haven't heard from Donald Trump in days, really, I haven't heard from him for a week. Uh, and a lot of people are talking, you know, this, this putting on this, this veil of victimhood and trying to portray that, oh my gosh, we're being censored. Last I checked, he still has a press briefing room uh, he has access to every cable news channel, every regular news channel, every news and TV reporter in America. All he would have to do uh, is have the courage to step up and do his job. Somebody recently said that uh, him being the platform from Twitter effectively ends his presidency. And I think that's a fitting coda uh, because it represents uh, the depth of his commitment to the job and the way he saw his responsibilities, right? It was nothing ever other than uh, empowering the drunk guy at the end of the bar to force everybody to listen to him. So that's kind of an upside, right? Because I think what we're going to see is how quickly this man fades uh, from public life as politicians realize that he can no longer browbeat them publicly via Twitter. He does not have the uh, and depending on how the impeachment goes, if we take him out of the ability to run for office, uh, he's just not going to have the megaphone anymore. And so <clears throat> that's the good news. The bad news is uh, he's just a symptom. You know, uh, we voted for him. Uh, hundreds of congressmen still, uh, at least if they don't approve of him, they, they're willing to ride that beast. Uh, and even now they're afraid to jump off. Uh, so we have a ton of work ahead of us, uh, even though I think he's going to fade fairly quietly. Uh, you know, he'll be the drunk, you know, the non-drunk guy, but the still crazy guy, uh, you know, trying to hold forth at Mar-a-Lago as his membership numbers dwindle. Here's what I worry about. I worry he's a drunk guy that's going to roll into the street and start rolling into other bars. The bars yeah. will take him in. And if no other bar will take him in, he'll find a corner where a bunch of other guys who've been thrown out of bars will come together. And I think I've mm -hmm. called it the, the, the new American insurgency, a domestic yeah. insurgency. And what I worry is, Jason, if he does fade, 
just like we saw in Iraq, if Saddam's gone, maybe Muqtada al-Sadr fills the void. Right. right. And others will spin off and break off. And, and that's why I view this as an insurgency. We now see threats of IEDs in Washington. We're concerned about suicide bombers and assassination attempts. So it's fragmenting. Yep. And maybe it's just getting started. Do you view this? You're an expert on insurgencies. Do, is that right to call this an insurgency? And, and if so, uh, either way, what, what do you think the, the military um, uh, unfolding looks like over the next couple of days, weeks, months, maybe years? Is this our new, is this our new forever war? Yes, yes, and yes, right? So one, we're, we're faced with not, you know, again, everybody said, well, when, when Trump leaves, the problem will be taken care of. Um, I do agree with you. I think, you know, he'll have a couple more acts, but they will be, you know, just kind of addendums to where he's going. Uh, I do believe, you know, and what we've seen from uh, some of the members of Congress is they're more than willing uh, to jettison any standards, uh, any sense of honor in order to capture what they see as kind of his hardcore base. So yes, um, there are people willing to step in and lead this insurgency. And in insurgency, we have to be somewhat careful. Uh, but when you're trying to subvert the rules and laws uh, of a country to gain power, then I don't think we should mince words about what it is, right? If there were any legal cases that had held water, if there was anything about how the election went down uh, that pointed to actual fraud or any kind of conspiracy, uh, then okay, we'd be having a different conversation. But the fact that they've exhausted all these channels and are now resorting to the people in the streets to attempt to reassert themselves, yes, they are insurgents, they are seditionists, this is insurrection, uh, and we have to answer it. <clears throat> uh, who comes next? I'm not real sure. You know, we'll see, and it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, the fight for scraps amongst uh, this cast of characters to see who can take the mantle. Uh, what I hope is that we're looking at a, a political realignment. You know, if I put on my nerd hat for a minute, we're going to see the fracturing of the Republican Party. We've seen uh, parties readjust and rejigger in times past. It's unclear right now what that looks like. <clears throat> so when people say, for one, when people say, oh my God, you know, 70 million people voted for him. Like, well, I get it, man. Had any other Republican been running or the president? that are probably had close to 80 million voting for him. So let's not confuse the entire Republican Party with Donald Trump. Um, now, they're willing, so you have to look at, you, know, you have to break up. So what's going to happen? Is Romney, is Murkowski or those, are they going to break out and form a sane Republican Party that then has to fight the rump of Trumpism? I think that's a very distinct possibility. Uh, and I'm not in any way trying to undercut the threat here. What I'm saying is uh, Donald Trump kept 70 million in line by appealing to the worst impulses of about a million. Uh, and so we've got to figure out, right, how do you further isolate that million who do not believe in the core tenets of democracy, do not believe in the rule of law, and are so afraid of their position and ideas that they absolutely cannot bring those ideas with confidence into the public sphere and think they win. They have to bring guns. They have to wear body armor because they're so goddamn weak. So let's, let's drill down on that. So we're talking about a million people. 
in America who know how no need to run work, an insurgency who know who know how our subways work who mm -hmm. are coordinating with potentially members of Congress who could be well funded who have various levels of expertise you know one of the challenges that I've that I want to flag is that you know don't think that everybody involved here is a crazy dude wearing a bear costume right yep. some of them are in suits we know some of them are former special forces operators and, and and you know they are they are people with talents and people who are intelligent and people who may be corrupt but they are on some levels formidable and you can't just dismiss them as a ragtag bunch of, of of lunatics right so how do we fight that jason you fought insurgencies you've studied insurgencies how do we fight that here <laughs> at home yeah it's it's a you know i, I appreciate the you know, the compliments and the appeal to some form of expertise. Uh, but as people talk about, you know, how do we how do we take care of this, you know, this radical mob that, you know, stormed the Capitol? It's like, well, how much success did we have in de-radicalizing all those young guys in the Taliban in the early 2000s? Right? We completely flubbed that. Right? Yeah. Well, entire generations kept growing up uh, because we couldn't get it right. Now I'm hoping because we actually know something about American culture and where these people are coming from, right? That we can get at it. And I think the first thing that comes with this is accountability. Um, right? We have norms of behavior. That's what makes America exceptional. We have the rule of law. Uh, you want to protest. Uh, you want to call the president any name in the book. Uh, you want to put up posters about how much you hate AOC or Nancy Pelosi. That's cool, man. Uh, but when you do what this seal did and you storm the Capitol with the express purpose in his own words to make civilian leaders shake in their boots, mm -hmm. that fits exactly the definition of terrorism, right? To threaten force uh, to influence the actions of civilians and to put fear in their hearts. Uh, if you're, you know, so we have to hold those folks accountable. That's the very first step. None of this kumbaya bullshit, let's move on. Uh, if you broke the law, we need to come for you and there will be accountability. And then you can say, okay, do I want to defend lawbreakers or am I prepared to uh, hold them accountable and re-engage the American ideal with the power of my arguments? And so remains to be seen who's going to pick up that man. So many people have been cowered by Trump over the last two to three years, uh, that people that you'd have normally expected in times past to step up including a lot of veterans, uh, have failed the test. So to your question, I'm not sure exactly, right, how we win this insurgency, um, but it has to, it has to be accountability. Uh, and then it has to be with the appeals to common values uh, that we share as Americans, right? The ability to get at, you know, hey, do you really believe in freedom of speech or do you not? Yeah, yeah. So one thing I got to unpack with you, this is gut check time for America, but maybe even more urgently for the military and veterans community, in part Absolutely. because they've been so politicized by Trump and manipulated by Trump for the last four years or longer. I mean, the, the, the woman who was killed during the attack on the Capitol was an Air Force veteran. She's going to be held up as a martyr. Uh, very high visibility around some of the attackers inside the Capitol who were veterans. You know, I, I've made the case that they're not a monolith. And we're now finding out that, you know, the black uh, Capitol Hill cop who held off the horde, he yeah. was a veteran. One of the Indeed. cops who died as a veteran, you know, surgeons are veterans. Oh, the members of Congress who stepped up were veterans. But there is a unique power, right? We, they have been radicalized. Uh, they're going to always be a target. Can you break down a question I keep getting asked, but I want you to hear your answer. 
uh, extremism in the military yeah. and within this population. Uh, I, I was asked how big it is, and I said how, how big is not as important as how serious, but right. how, how do you evaluate it? The, 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 the extremism, uh, white supremacists, uh, Proud Boys, others yeah. who have infiltrated the military and the veterans community. What's your what's your breakdown there? So you have so many converging threads here. Um, you know, the one is just it's this idea in American public life that uh, soldiers are the solution to all our problems. And you know, we've been arguing that on the margins now for years. Like, hey, uh, just because vets are great at one thing doesn't mean they can deliver vaccines or you know reestablish our water systems. That's not what we're built for. But when everybody else doesn't trust government, they keep turning to the military. That trickles down, right? When everybody respects the military, they don't respect regular public office makers. That trickles down to the dude on the street who's lost, who's not sure what's going on. He says, well, hell, maybe if I dress like a soldier and carry a gun around, everybody think I'm a patriot. And uh, hell, that's a certainly a lot easier Right. Then figuring out, well, who do I vote for? Because, you know, that requires that requires a little bit of education that requires some compromise. Right. That requires engaging this messy political system that is still the best in the world. Right. There are no right or wrong answers. So, for one, we want easy. We want black and white. That's a natural human thing. Uh, but in American public life, the military has come to represent black and white, good and evil. So the one you've got that you got this military fetishism um, where everybody wants to dress up and pretend that they're, you know, Jason Bourne or some shit, right? Everybody's like, well, I don't understand life, but maybe if I put this costume on and somehow I'm going to be a better person. Now, take it back into the military to your question. The military has a huge reckoning ahead of us. Um, the military, so... The military has approached these issues, continually approaches these issues very clumsily. Um, if I were to you know, summarize 50 years of debates about civil military relations, um, senior military leaders over the last couple of decades have assumed the most juvenile interpretation of some early writings that said, we need to stay out of politics. Uh, and what they did was then they said, okay, well, we can't address politics at all. Let's just stay apolitical. It's like, no, your charge is not to be apolitical. You work in a political system, right? Your challenge is to be nonpartisan, right? Your challenge is to be nonpartisan. Now, how that has worked out and how we educate, whether it's about sexual assault, sexual harassment, whether it's about racism, now it's about white nationalism, is most senior military leaders like, well, there appears to be a debate about white nationalism. I don't want to get engaged. Like, bullshit. That's your job to get engaged. Because if you don't, you're endorsing it to most of your population. Now, remember, it was legal. Fine. You couldn't do anything to anybody who wanted to adorn their barracks room with the goddamn flag of traitors up until recently. I saw it when I was an officer walking through the barracks, the Confederate flag. shames me. It shames me that I didn't do more about it then. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, I don't want to be political. I'm going to let somebody fighting for our country fly a flag of seditionists and traitors. So one, we started having a lot of hard conversations about what does it mean to be American? What does it mean to respect the rule of law? What does it mean to represent the military in an inherently political environment? And it can't be just you know, hear no evil, see no evil. It has to be 
educating and engaging on core tenets that all veterans, all active duty military people should be defending. And hats off, you know, to the, I thought the chairman's, uh, the letter this week was great. Anybody hasn't read it, read it. You can argue about maybe it being seven days late. I wouldn't say it's seven days late because you don't want the military to be the first people to jump in and talk about a reaction. Uh, but I thought the tone was exactly right. It was unequivocal in condemning these attacks and portraying them exactly what they were, sedition. Um, you know, had they done it three to four days earlier, great. Uh, but I think it stands on its own. It's a good first step. I, I think it's an important context to set. I mean, uh, Trump opposed the renaming of bases that were named after Confederate generals this, you know, a week ago, right? right? You, you could fly a Confederate flag, what, a year ago, a month ago, a couple months ago, you could fly it in the military, right? In your barracks, on your truck, wherever you want, right? Uh, a couple of months ago, the, the head of the VA uh, defended the display of Nazi swastikas on VA property and used to support this, the, the veterans of the Confederacy. So this is everywhere, and, mm -hmm. and they haven't squashed it. Now, you know, the attempt at squashing it, I hope, begins, and the changing of hearts and minds begins. But for a security situation, for someone who's listening, Jason, who hasn't been in the military, who isn't as close to these issues, who sees now threats at state capitals, and then hears about soft targets, can you break down the no shit on what our domestic national security situation will likely look like in your view for the next couple of weeks? What's America going to look like? What are we going to be afraid of uh, for our kids and, and for our families? And the second part of that question, what should we do? You know, I know you said don't be scared up front, but, but is, there, is there a more specific recommendation about what the average mom or dad or concerned person you think should be doing in the next couple of weeks, what they should be reading or mm -hmm. displaying or whatever? So, yeah, so one, um, this problem isn't going away, uh, and this is just the beginning. Uh, you can already tell on social media, you can tell by literally the people who are part of being attacked in the Capitol have come up with a thousand different ways that they as Congress people can justify what happened and not be seen as portraying or supporting the bad guys. So you can imagine the depths of whatever platform most of these yahoos are on now uh, that the calls for just fighting harder and stronger have redoubled. Right? And then again, the lessons from counterinsurgency overseas is, uh, you know, it's not just can you assume that the that the people fighting against you, you know, whether or not they believe your message, you have to ask, have they even read my message? Do they even know what we're trying to do or how we see our mission? Uh, and the way American media right now is so bifurcated, uh, you know, I think in the cesspools and the, and the little eddies of social media, there are folks who still think that this Air Force guy who got killed as a martyr uh, and that, you know, we just didn't fight hard enough. So in the short term, more violence, more bombs. Uh, I would not bet against, in any way, shape, or form, unfortunately, it's sad to me to say, I would not bet against uh, a successful political assassination of somebody at the member of Congress or certainly a state governor level within the next six to 12 months. Um, we're entering the beginning of 1967, 1968. So how do you get out of that? <clears throat> uh, one, you get engaged in your local politics. Uh, you support your local uh, police. Uh, you support your local politicians uh, in hosting and finding ways to say, okay, are we, let's talk about this. Let's figure this out. Um, you know, let's look at what security we're taking. 
at our state capitals and what that means. And then, you know, get engaged. Yeah, and that's, it sounds silly, it sounds simple. Right? If there was a magic bullet, we wouldn't be having these issues. This is a ground game. Every American has to get engaged. Every American has to be saying, hey, I'm willing to listen to you, uh, but if you're gonna apologize for a guy who's run around US Capitol with a taser and zip ties, you know, we can't necessarily start that conversation. Uh, the other thing I would say is, unfortunately, what's going to muddle this, again, we've, we've addressed it a little bit, uh, is the corruption of our law enforcement and some of our National Guard, right? The sympathies that folks have bought into. Um, you know, we, we Americans are, you know, we, we're starting to see, uh, you know, what the African-American community has seen in a while. This idea that if, if your fellow citizens are otherized, then it's okay to use force against them. And it's okay to say, well, these are the enemy and it's virtuous for me to fight them. So we do need to do some serious rooting out of our police departments. We need to take close looks at our National Guard in addition to the active force and say, all right, you know, how many people here actually believe in the rule of law? How many understand what their obligation is? And how many of them think that they are uh, adding moral, you know, clarity and a license for violence uh, to one side that they think should win. Jason, you're adding light to the heat. Uh, you, the, the term patriots being thrown around a lot right now, and I'm going to do all that I can to elevate the people that I think are true patriots. And I think you are a professor. Uh, you're someone who served this country in, in so many ways. And I think you're going to be called on to serve now even more than ever. So if folks are listening, I hope they follow you on social media. They read everything that you write uh, and, and keep it up, man. We need you. I'm grateful for your friendship and for your time and for your insights. Uh, and, and I look forward to, to working alongside you in the next fight of our generation. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Paul, for having these conversations, right? This is the only way. Uh, we get past this. I don't pretend to have the answer. I just know violence ain't it, man. So, yes. Well, thank you very much again, the great Jason Dempsey. Stay vigilant, my friend. You too, bud. <sighs> All right, keep breathing, people. Come on, take a big, deep breath with me. We've all got to keep our cool right now. We got to keep our focus and we got to stay frosty. Don't get rattled. As Jason said, don't be scared. Rise to the moment. Understand it's time to take a stand. So wherever you are or whoever you are, please continue to increase the peace. Bring light wherever you can to contrast the heat. Look out for others and look for the helpers, especially now. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. And my thanks to all the helpers that made this episode possible, especially our guest, Jason Dempsey. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. You can find a link wherever you got this podcast. And thanks to our team at Righteous Media, creative Chris Rosenthal especially, Mighty Mercy Rich, and brilliant Bill Schultz, who's on the mend from COVID. Much love to you and your family, Bill, and to Seamus. And my massive thanks to my wife and my two boys, especially with all that's going on in our house right now. It's pretty wild to be covering an insurrection and an impeachment in the basement and to have Zoom math class and Paw Patrol going on upstairs. 
But we're all in it together, and I'm so grateful for all that they're doing to support me and to support each other. And thanks to my friends Miles and Bobby especially, the two of you continue to inspire me and everyone who knows you. Speaking of inspiration, my dad got the vaccine last week. He's a volunteer fireman, and he got it. And my mother-in-law and father-in-law got it today. They're both over 75, and they're both cancer survivors. So the vaccine is coming, people. Hang in there. If it's not in your area, it's coming soon, but it is coming. So hang in there. We will get through this most difficult winter together. And my thanks to our fearless Patreon members, and especially our newest Patreon members, Peter Hogel, my friend Daniel Moynihan out in Hawaii, and Daniel Lindsay. My thanks to you and to all our Patreon members that continue to power this content. You can join our community if you look for Angry Americans on Patreon. Chip in if you can. You can give us just 5 bucks a month, and you can help keep these dispatches coming. And I'll continue to take you behind the scenes and let you know about exclusive events we've got coming up. But if you like this episode of The Dispatches, please go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. The Dispatches now has its own place in the podcast store and wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe for free and share. And you can visit us on social media and check us out at thedispatches.us. That's thedispatches.us. Of course, we've still got angryamericans.us and all the great content and video there as well. Please continue to spread the word and help us grow this community. And it's still okay to be angry, especially now. But it's not enough anymore. We need so much more right now. From each other and from ourselves. But no, you're not alone. We're all a little angry. And that's because we're paying attention. And we're all in this together. Thanks for listening to this latest installment of The Dispatches, powered by Righteous Media. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Stay vigilant, America. We'll stop.